What a very interesting day in the NBA. We're here to recap all eight games from Monday, give you waiver wire trends, all the recaps, lines of the night. It's all here. Michael Bolton, he is so excited to get us started. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Mike, you sound the same as every day. Let's get to it indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and what a dog doing? And I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball, and on Instagram. At Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. All right. There is a lot for us to talk about today because there were eight games and lots of interesting things and injuries and ejections and a whole bunch of weird stuff. Uh, to start off week five. I've actually had this question asked to me multiple times today, so I'm going to address it right here. Someone said, I think I might have even talked about it on the live show today. What are we doing week seven? We just skip week seven? Do you just move week seven back to the next day? There's no games on. There are no games scheduled in week seven, but every team is playing two games in week seven. It is because we don't know who they are playing because it is the finals of the in-season tournament. So when you see the schedule and see week seven has no games, it's because those games have not been determined yet. Every team is going to have two games scheduled. The team that makes the final of the NBA Cup will play three. Everyone else plays two. So when you see that schedule, don't panic. Don't think you have to change anything with your league. Every team is playing two games. I've had that multiple times, so I thought it needed to be addressed if I didn't already address it earlier today. Um, So that's where we're at with that. So let's um let's crack in and let's just cover a little bit of news that has dropped uh, of late. We will start off. I don't know why that looks like that, but anyway, that's fine. We'll start with some news there with Brogdon being um, listed questionable. Now, originally they I'm gonna fix that up. He, originally they put it up that Brogdon was not on the injury report at all for the Blazers, and they re-amended it and put him as questionable, meaning that return is coming pretty soon. I would not drop Skylar Mays yet. Yet they won't pump 35 into Brogdon straight away. They won't plump 39 into Brogdon straight away. They're already cutting Shaden Sharp's minutes down. There is a way for Mays to play 29 minutes still. If he plays 20 minutes in the first game back with Brogdon, then he's gone. But you don't have to do it yet. We don't have to make split decisions immediately in fantasy basketball. So if Brogdon is available, yes, you grab him. If Brogdon is available and Mays is your worst player in the drop, I would happily do that. You might trade one game better of Mays where he's going to be great and Brogdon still doesn't play versus more games in the future where Brogdon is better. Sometimes we have to take the short hit to get the long gain. So I wouldn't drop Mays if I don't have to. If Brogdon is available, I would switch Mays for Brogdon, understanding that I might lose out initially. This is the stuff that we have to deal with. Xavier T. Ilman, the cashier from being okay and ready to start, then a late scratch, then coming back and playing a few days later to now being day-to-day, but now downgraded to week-to-week. What's wrong with him? I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you because they don't tell us. It's knee soreness. What does that mean? It's nebulous and it's just hidden code for 
Something's really wrong and we don't know what it is. Shout out to Cody Martin, Lonzo Ball, Caleb Martin, so many players. You do not roster Tillman. This does help Aldama a little bit, even though he's getting his minutes at small forward. It does help some of that value maintain. You do not roster Tillman. You do roster Bismack Biombo. Luke Kennard, the duck, he is out for a couple of weeks with that bone bruise in his knee. This also helps Santi Aldama because Kennard can play the three as well and he's a good shooter and Aldama is now doing that too. So all of these things which we talked about with Aldama yesterday, saying, oh, they're factoring in. They're not factoring now. These guys are out long-term. See you later. And then we got an update on Amen Thompson who doesn't have a timetable. He's not practicing. We're not adding him in 10 or 12 or probably even 14 team leagues, even when he does return. And that is not coming up anytime soon. So some clarification and some things that are important. The Brogdon one is the most important, but again, my advice there is hold maze, but drop if it means adding Brogdon. Yeah, think we got that. I hope we got that. I hope so. If you have questions, drop them in the chat, drop them in the comments. I may respond to them. I don't know. There's always a lot that says I can't get to, but often somebody else will chime in and, uh, and do that as well. So let's look at the most added players um, on the waiver wire. I never really hit this stinger, but I should do it now because it's time to look at waiver wire trends. So let's have a look at the most added players. And number one on that list is the big fella in Memphis, Santi Aldama, who's up 38%. Things have broken in his favor. We add him, we roll with it. It's great. Number two is Brandon Miller. Well, we'll talk about the Hornets a little bit later on. I do not think this is going to stick for Miller, and it did not stick today. Sadiq Bay up 13%. Ah, I see you know you're streaming well. So Bay has a great schedule this week, Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday. That's fantastic, plus a, a, a game in there as well on Wednesday. But that's great value for old mate Sadiq. Andy Wiggins up 11%. Well, we'll, we'll, we will review his game later on, but a big explosion from him last time out. Not a bad move to stream and see where it goes. Kyle Lowry up 9%. Good game from Lowry last time out for the Heat. He does appear ahead of Jaime Huckers, but again, we'll review the Heat game later on. And then the last one is the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. We had heard that Grimes wasn't going to play in this game, and he did. So we'll talk about the DiVincenzo move a little bit later on as well. The most dropped players in fantasy basketball. That actually says most added, and that's not what I wanted to say at all. It should say most dropped, but that's fine. We can uh, reinterpret that in our brains. Um, Jacob Gilliard down 13%. Cool. He's not starting. We can move on there. Derek Rose is probably going to play next game too. Lou Dort down 12%. Yeah, that is very easy to drop. He's not that good, and we had that little flash in the pan, and that has eased. Derek Jones, yeah, struggling at the moment. No worries with him in a 12-team or 14-team drop. Killian Hayes, yes, very easy drop in even 14-team leagues. He is on the way out of the rotation. Dario Saric, the minutes were down last game. That's a reasonable drop. I dropped him as well. And Tillman down 8%. Very, very strong drop. Good move to drop um, Xavier in that position. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA season is four weeks in. So we are tipping off, we're swishing, we're dunking, we're diamond, we're dishing, we're crossing over the competition with Fangio America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. For example, if you were betting against the Detroit Pistons, and even if you knew that the NBA MVP, best player in the league on the other team got ejected at halftime, you'd still bet the money line against the Pistons and you'd still would have got your $150 in bonus bets. And then with those bonus bets, you can use them on spreads, on totals, on parlays, on futures, on over-unders, whatever it is. You can do that over at Fangio. So if you've been thinking about joining Fangio, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. 
So go over to fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season and tip off the NBA season. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL, and don't forget to gamble responsibly. Okay, that'll bring us, yeah, that'll bring us into looking at the games. And the first one is the aforementioned Detroit Pistons. And they went up against the Denver Nuggets in Detroit, looking to smash an 11-game losing streak. The old Pistons, but no, that uh, that didn't happen, did it? it? They were in prime position to do it, but they just couldn't pull it off. Denver wins 107-103. Jokic was ejected um, in the first half. He had 9-5-5 five, and five in 15 minutes after getting two techs. So see you later, Nick. He was pretty frustrated last game as well. And that meant a lot of blokes stepped up. So we keep streaming Reggie Jackson until the headmaster returns, but 21-3-6, a triple one is a great game. Contavious Caldwell-Pope stepped it up, 20 points on 17 shots. Not going to get many games where KCP leads the team in shot attempts, so again, it's hard to just buy into all of this stuff. Two steals and a block is what you came for with KCP, and you delivered it, and he dropped a little bit on top of it as well, which is great. Christian Brown. He actually started the second half, so they went with like Gordon at center. Brown played 32 minutes, 15-6 and 2 a steal and a block. Really good. That's two good games in a row from Brown. I do not buy it for 12-team leagues. I do not care to add him in 12-team leagues. But it is interesting that they used him in the Bruce Brown role, whereas whatever starters out, we're just going to put you in. Although that's sort of not true because Reggie Jackson started for um, Jamal Murray. But second came off the rank, Christian Brown stepped up, stepped up. Not doing anything with it, but we keep it in our heads. As Gordon had 11, 9, and 7, while Michael Ponder Jr. dropped in 14, 11 with four threes. They were both probably a little bit disappointing. It was good to see Peyton Watson back in the rotation, but really disappointing for Zeke Naji. With Jokic out, he still played just 14 minutes. That should be prime opportunity. Jokic is gone. Let him start. Let him cook. No, no cooking. None at all. 7, 1, and 0. And maybe we're at the stage where Naji, who's had a lot of injury problems, just is not good. And that is distinctly possible and actually at this point pretty likely. So let's go on to the Detroit side of things because Cade Cunningham played 38 minutes and had 27-2-9. He dropped in three steals. He had a block. He was 11 of 11 from the free throw line. He shot 41%. That's still not great, but 50% from three. Overall, uh, that, I'm here for it. That's an unbelievably good line. And you know that I was relatively big on Cade in the preseason. His shots have not fallen at anywhere near the level that I expected. I didn't even look at him as having a big jump forward. I think I had him jumping forward three percentage points in his field goal percent. Not much. And that was because he shot 27% from three last season. But he lost rebounds, which I'm not sure are ever coming back. And his steal and block rate cut in half. This is sort of what I envisaged we'd see from Cade a lot more this season. And... I haven't written him off for the season, much like I don't write off many of these players who have prime opportunities who are going through shooting slumps. And we'll get to that really soon. So that's a really good turnaround from Kate. I need to see it a lot more. I, I do need to see way more of this, obviously. But it was encouraging. Very encouraging from Jaden Ivy too. Now, he's not an 88% shooter very clearly. But he started over Killian Hayes, and that is absolutely step one here. 17-4-3. and three. But remember this. The Pistons have one more game this week, and it's on the weekend. It's on Sunday, I believe. So if you're looking to add somebody, it'd be Ivy for long-term, not for this week. So that's why when you don't look at uh, 18 and 8 from Marvin Bagley, you go, oh, man, I'm going to add him. Because you don't. Because Duran will be back on the weekend, and Bagley won't be useful. You don't probably even look at Isaiah Stewart having 11 and 11. Go, ah, oh, that looks great because you won't use him. He doesn't have that even long-term upside appeal scenario. You don't look at old mate who's been added to Yahoo, by the way, Stanley Yamude, who had 11 points again. This guy's a really good scorer because you're not going to play him all week. Shout out also, not shout out, 
and delayed about bloody time to both Yahoo and ESPN, who added Amude and Reith on Yahoo, and Craig Porter finally added on ESPN. I'm sure there's somebody else still not added on ESPN, but eventually, if I just call them out enough, they will do it, it seems. But they're all there now. Alec Burks, three points in 17 minutes, very disappointing from Burks, and Isaiah Livers returned. He played 23 minutes and had six and four. Now, Livers is quite a poor permanent producer usually, but he shot 14% here. This could have been a lot better. We very much need to keep an eye on him because ideally they would want him to be Bojan Bogdanovic. They would want them to be, him to be their floor spacing, um, shooting power forward. But I don't know whether he's going to get there. But 23 minutes, first game back, is in- extremely encouraging. We just watch that for deeper leagues and see where he goes. Killian Hayes was scoreless in 14 minutes. He will, I believe, end up out of the rotation. Speaking of out of the rotation, why did we go through this Kevin Knox nonsense? He's out of the rotation because he's bad, and he is out again and not going to play, and that's great. If you got one good game out of him, count yourself lucky. While Marcus Sasser plays five minutes, he is going to be out of the rotation soon as well, it appears, because we're still waiting on Morris, Bogdanovich, and Duran to all return, and then it will be hard for him to do what he needs to do in that um, in that situation. Okay, let us go to the next one. It is the overtime game. The Boston Celtics lose. Celts lose? To the Charlotte Hornets. 121-118. We talked yesterday about this, about what are the chances of an 85% shooter hitting all three free throws of a three-shot foul. And then <laughs> it happened. Jason Tatum had a three-shot foul at the end of the game, the same way that, debatably, Larry Markkinen should have had at the end of the Suns' Jazz second overtime yesterday. But Tatum had that chance, and we calculated the odds that a 85% free-throw shooter has a 64% chance of hitting all three, three free throws. So that 36% chance is what happened. Tatum missed the last one, and they lost the game. Tatum had big numbers, 45, 13, and 6 with 7 triples and 2 blocks, but just there were some weird moments for him during this game. It's still a great line, obviously. There was no Derek White, no Al Horford in this one, so Peyton Pritchard had 21 and 6 with 5 threes and 2 steals in 33 minutes. He was very, very good, while Sam Hauser started and was very, very bad. 3 points on 11%. The two games that Hauser has started have been putrid, and in every other game, he's banging in like 5 triples a game. He's not, but he's not far off it. We can still stream him. The process was still correct to stream in Hauser for threes. He just shits the bed whenever he starts, apparently. Speaking of shitting the bed, Jalen Brown, 13 points on 29% shooting with a triple zero. He has been a marked disappointment this season. Cannot find a consistency in his role or his usage or his production or his shooting. It's just been bad in terms of where we compare him to usually be. While Porzingis had 17 and 8, two steals and three blocks and Holiday 11, 6 and 5. But again, so much of this game is weird because there was no Horford. But more importantly, there was no Derek White. So the rotation was a little bit all over the shop. Don't know how big of a drink of water I need to have before I talk about the Hornets. But they made a switch. Didn't take them long, this shameless bunch of assholes, to put Miles Bridges into the starting lineup. 45 minutes for Bridges. 14 and 15 on 23% shooting. Now, his usage has not been super high this season. That's only 15 usage, 16 usage. But 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 6 of 6 from the line, and they're starting him. Now, we got this news that he was starting in the pregame show earlier today. And then the question was, do we drop Haywood and PJ Washington? And my answer was, no, let's see, right? So PJ played 28 minutes off the bench, 15-1-1, two steals, a block, three threes. That's actually good enough, Right? If he's playing 28 minutes a night and doing that, that's actually good enough. And then we put Gordon Haywood under the lens the other day, 
And again, the immediate reaction, this is where you become a better fantasy player and where I hope to try and teach some stuff, is that Bridges returned and we saw Haywood and Washington shoot 10% and the immediate thing is, oh well, Bridges has killed them. Bridges has ruined them. I am dropping them. Look at these fantasy points they scored. Look at these numbers. Bridges killed them. So I put Haywood under the lens. I went, you know what? He's not going to be a 10% shooter. The worry there was the usage, which had dropped and we had to monitor that. But he wasn't going to be that shooter. Haywood played 39 minutes, had 20 and 5 with 4 assists, a triple 1 on 40% shooting. Worth a hold, yeah? Same with PJ. Worth a hold. Let's see where it goes. We wanted to monitor it. And I'm not going to make those knee-jerk reactions on these sort of players. The next test is going to be, what the hell happens when Terry Rozier returns? And I don't know. Some people seem to think that Rozier will just get benched, and I just don't think they will do that. But they could. Brandon Miller, 40 minutes, 9 points. Yuck. But seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block is pretty good. But someone has to lose out here. Who it is, I don't know. It's probably Miller, but I don't know. That's a good game from Miller. He's still not a top 150 player this season. He is ranked behind Haywood and Bridges, obviously, and Washington Bridges is rolling top 40 at the moment. Amazing stuff for him to come back and not really look rusty at all. But there's still something that's going to give here. Playing 20 minutes of his Smith is amazing. I cannot believe that's happening. While Mark Williams, only 33 minutes. I just just give him more. My guy, Steve, give him more. 15, 18 and 16, one steal, three blocks. He is starting to round into that form that had me really looking at him in the 70s in drafts. And he's starting to deliver that at the moment, which is uh, pretty dizzy stuff. <sighs> All right. Today's episode, if I can actually find the right button, that's what she said. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Coincidentally, it's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because you don't have to worry about lineups and salary caps and sharks and pros and algorithms and thousands of people. It's you, mano e computero, against the projections. They throw them out there, they line them up, you knock them down with a bang more, bang less. And that's it. The projections are up. Lots of stats, lots of players, and you do two to six of those individual player projection, more or less, um, deals, and then you can get up to 25 times your money back. How easy is that? Entries are easy. You can do them in under 60 seconds. They've got an injury reboot policy as well. If your bloke gets injured in the first half and doesn't return the second, well, that bloke just gets rebooted. How easy, how simple, how generous from the legends over at PricePix. So go to PricePix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepix.com slash locked on NBA. The code is locked on NBA, and you get a first deposit match up to $100. That will bring us, of course it will, into the third game because it's what comes after two, and it is the Milwaukee Bucks beating those pesky Washington Wizards. And by pesky, I mean annoying. The Bucks win at 142-129. The big fella Yanni had 42-13-8. He was putrid from the line, but 87 from the, on the, from the field actually cracks in. That gets it done. He has been, um, despite the free throw percentage, like 24th. Dillon Wright's not coming. Sorry, Dillon Wright's not coming to beat him by 50 spots this year. Maybe he is. But big numbers from him. While Brook Lopez, back on track. Good minutes are up. Five blocks rolling after a really slow start to the season. Season off washed watch. And I would say Chris Middleton is off washed watch as well. The most encouraging thing here is he played 23 minutes. Now, is that cause for celebration? Given what's happened? Yeah, it is. His permanent numbers have been good. 18, 6, and 7. That's great. 
six or seven from the line. That's great. He's putting up good numbers. I think he's going to start to get better and better. We just need these minutes to rise. While Lillard had 22, 5, and 7 on another absolute bushel of free throw attempts, he is starting to look better as well. They are rounding into form. Um, Leaky Beasley had 16 points in 33 minutes with three threes. That's what he is, a points and three streamer, especially with Jay Crowder out. While Portis had 17 and 8. Good numbers, but you would have hoped the minutes went a little bit higher there. Paddy Connaughton's getting sixth man minutes, but we don't care outside of very deep leagues. Three points for him with four assists in those 26 minutes. But what about your Washington Wizards? What about your favorite player, Jordan Poole? How did he go? Anyone going to rush to the comments to tell me how shit I am at my job to tell me about Poole? Do it, because I am. But also... Poole dropped 30 points in 33 minutes and took 26 shots, which is exactly why I was big on him in the preseason because I thought he is going to take a lot of shots. He is going to score. Unfortunately, he hasn't got minutes or usage in any other game. Is this a turning point? I honestly have no idea. Also, if you saw a report about this thing about Mark Stein saying that they didn't see him as a cornerstone, he's on the trade block, it was fake. It was 100% fake. Now, they probably don't think he's a cornerstone. That's fine. That report was fake. Pool, 30 points, one rebound, one assist, took 26 shots, 42%. We knew that. But got to the line five times, which is encouraging as well. We are by no means out of the woods here with Pool. With Paul. None at all. Not even close to it. He'd need to string a fair few of these together before I go, eh, maybe we're back in business. But it's at least good to see it once. Kyle Kuzma, 22-3 and 13 assists. Who is this guy? 13 assists, two steals and a block? I'll take it. I was I was actually pretty big on targeting Kuzma in drafts. And that, that actually has panned out pretty well. And Bilal, 25 minutes, 12 points, two steals, two threes. Frustrating that he played only 25 minutes. He's not going to blow us away, I don't think, this season. But he is worth rostering. Danny Gafford, 29 minutes, 14 and five, two blocks. Not really sure what more you could want from him. That's about what we think, thought he'd do. Good numbers. Danny Avdia. Bad. But he's been good. 7-4-2. and two, Only took five shots. Just He'd been a guy whose usage had been absolutely through the roof. Okay, that's weird. We've never really seen Denny do that before. And in this game, it went back to like Tom Thibodeau's center usage, 8%. Don't worry too much about it. He remains a 12-team league player. Uh, Tyus Jones was benched down the stretch for some reason. He had 18 points in 26 minutes. The 26 minutes is the concern for Tyus, is the way they sort of jerk him around. And he has not been good this season. I think he is still a hold. But in points leagues, he's not. And in 10-team categories, he probably isn't either. He just doesn't deliver enough in those sort of formats to justify a hold for a lot of different people. Let's go to the next one where there's a, there's a string of blowouts coming here. So the Clippers beat the Spurs 124-99. Also, remember, so many coincidental things happen in sport, in life, in whatever, right? And we often ascribe them to the wrong reasons. That's why I put Paul George under the lens after James Harden arrived. And I said... James Harden is not making him shoot 20% or whatever it was from the field. He's not. His usage was the same. Paul George had 28, 5, and 6 with four threes in 32 minutes. He's the 13th ranked player this season. Harden has not actually impacted him at all. The impact has been more on Kawhi, who played 28 minutes here, had 21, 4, and 3. Not bad from Kawhi, good usage, and it's getting better. But there was no impact on George, really. Jimmy Harden, 13, 3, and 10 with two steals. And Norman Powell, 30 minutes, 19, and 5 with two steals and a block. They are using Powell a lot. He is in prime 12-team stream position. That's it. Better minutes for Westbrook, 25 minutes. Of course, it's a giant blowout. But 10 points, 6 assists, and 3 steals for Russ on horrendous shooting. 
if I had him and I don't, I would drop him in category leagues. I just don't think there's enough value in it. While, oh, I don't know how to frame this one. Remember we talked about it the other day? Well, I talked about it. Maybe you talked about it to yourself after you heard me talk about it. And I said, I'm just going to keep an eye on Daniel Tice here. 21 minutes, 19 and 7, two assists and a steal. Um, yeah, okay. That is extraordinarily intriguing from Tice. Zubats had 8 and 11. Tice had 19 and 7. Now, he's not an 80% shooter, but the man can play. And the man sucks when he's on bad teams, usually. And when he's on good teams, he plays well. I wouldn't add Daniel Tice, but this is a very, very intriguing development. And 20s, 18s, 16s, uh, I would add Tice. Interesting development. Terrence Mann, scoreless, but he did have four steals. He missed all six of his shots. So it's not like he didn't take any shots, but we're not looking at him outside of very deep formats, obviously. Well, I hope it's obvious. There was four minutes of garbage time in this one as well. And that's why we got four minutes of the Farmers Union, Amir Coffee. Not much else going on there, but a good blowout win, uh, two in a row for the Clippers, for the Spurs. Goldfinger, Charlie Bassey, back in the rotation, 18 minutes, 12 rebounds, four blocks. This guy is an absolute permanent machine. He's a stud. We just need him to actually play. Wembenyama, uh, not good. Nine points, 27 minutes with two blocks and four assists, while Trey Jones played 23 minutes, 11, 2, and 5. That's pretty good from Jonesy. It's really hard to justify him as a 12-team league guy, though. Collins struggled for 12 and 3, and Sohan had 8 and 8. Jeremy Sohan, I don't, I don't know how to approach this. I would not bother with Jeremy Sohan in 10-team leagues. In 12-team leagues, I think he's very, very borderline, and I'm not sure I would hold him. Points leagues, I would more than category leagues, but it's just too much shakiness. Champagne started again in place of Vassell. He had a triple one with five and four. We're only looking at that for deeper leagues. And the two guys who actually scored well were the horsecock, Calden Johnson, who had 22, 10, and five. And then Chetty Osman, the discman, had 17 points in 23 minutes. Do not buy into, into anything there with Chetty Osman. They are currently a mess, the Spurs. Having no Devin Vassell hurts, but they are without a, uh, a rudder at this particular point in their season. And it's, is it a Sohan thing? I don't know. Like it, it is bad. Trey Jones is clearly not the answer, but things are going bad. And I don't, but they are, they are committed at least for the short term to keeping to work through that group. So just again, bear that in mind. They are committed to that for now. The next game, the Kings get their pants pulled down by the Pelicans, 129-93. This is back-to-backs, all right? Factor this in. When teams play on the second night of back-to-backs, not only do you have more risk of injury, you have more risk of rest, but you have shit performances or shitter performances. They're not good for the product at all. In fact, if you eliminate, and I know, oh, there's schedules of the arenas, and uh, that's all well and good. If you want to eliminate the vast majority of problems with the NBA uh, product and regular season, it's back-to-backs. Quality of play, rests, injuries, they all get reduced dramatically. That is, that is literally the biggest thing, I think, in my, in my opinion. Sabonis only had 10 points, but he had 10 rebounds and eight assists, while the pencil Harrison Barnes, Barnesy, had 16 points with three threes. He is a three-point streamer. That's it. Not a top 200 player this season. Keegan Murray hurt his back, didn't return after halftime. Five points in 16 minutes with a steal and a block. Not good. He's been up and down. I would say that overall, where you drafted him, which is probably around 100, you've been... I don't even know... If, how do you feel about it? I, I think I took him in one leg. Like, how do you, I feel like, eh, I just, eh. He hasn't blown me away. He hasn't super disappointed me. I don't think this is a serious problem, but we keep an eye on it. And then wouldn't you be surprised? You would be absolutely staggered and stunned and flummoxed 
to know that Kevin Herter had 10-0-3 and, and was bad again. What an absolute shock to the system. I am going to take a leave of absence to just calm myself down and to like just uh, cope with that fact that he's not that good. Simple as that. Not good players will have hot streaks of good shooting and good production that will not last. And me, a man who comes out here and talks for hours on end about fantasy basketball every day, will say to drop someone and the very next day they will go off and this will happen all the time. And I literally sit there going, was I wrong? What did I do here? But this is just the flow of the games. You could have held on to Herder. You can't hold on to everybody. I do not believe firmly that he is a must roster player. He is okay to roster, but you do not have to do it. He was shit. Eight points for uh, Monk with five assists is all right, but he's probably closer to that. Like he's, Monk is probably closer to Herder in terms of must roster versus um, being a, an absolute guy that you've got to hold on to. And then Chris Duarte, who went off last game, went scoreless in eight minutes, hurt his hand and never returned. I tweeted this out yesterday, right? And there's sometimes there are different disconnects between the way that people view things. And I'm just going to break down Darren Fox a little bit here. Because you know, when I talked about Darren Fox last season and in the preseason, I said, I'm expecting a little bit of a downturn from Fox because I do not expect that he continues to shoot with Shaquille O'Neal-like efficiency at the rim, actually better than Shaquille O'Neal efficiency at the rim. I do not buy that that will continue. That's what I said, right? So I bumped his field goal percentage down. I didn't expect it to continue. And guess what? It didn't. He was like 20 percentage points lower at the rim. That will come back up. But Fox was able to change the narrative around that or keep his production up, which if you just look at the the surface level production, you go, well, Josh, you're wrong. His field goal percentage and numbers have stayed up. But that's because he was hitting 10 percentage points better from three. And he was also 99th percentile in mid-range efficiency, up like 12% there. So I tweeted some most of those numbers out yesterday. And the responses are, yeah, look at him. He's awesome. It's him and Shea. They're both MVP candidates. The point of that tweet was to say, it's going to come back. Like it, it just cannot, he, he cannot stay as a 42% three-point shooter and like a 58% mid-range shooter. It's just not going to be able to hold, I don't think. Am I a Fox hater? Absolutely not. There's just so certain things when we look at it and you go, well, I don't think, so. I don't think that's real. I don't think that's sticking. Now, does this justify it? No, it doesn't, right? But there are going to be ups and downs. 14 points, zero assists on 28% shooting. I really do. Actually, no, you know what? I was going to say, I want you to look into it. I don't. You don't have to look into it. That's my job to look into it and tell you where the numbers come. But when I talk about it, at least just listen and take on the um, the perspective of maybe it doesn't hold. Maybe he hasn't gone from the best rim finisher of all time to the best mid-range shooter of all time. And the reality lies somewhere in the middle for both, which leads to an overall decrease in efficiency. And that's that's part of my argument with this sort of stuff. And I think just having that additional perspective and, and viewing it that way, I think gives you a little bit of an advantage versus just jumping onto the, the hype or the highlight real bias, which always makes me look stupid when you, when you talk negative about someone who's playing amazingly because we, like real NBA will go, man, this, this guy's killing, he's doing this. And fantasy, I go, yeah, that means it's going to come down. That's the way I like to look at these things. Like it's not going to hold at that level. And that's sort of where we're at with Fox. Rough night, rough night for him. For the Pelicans, um, only 21 minutes for Valanciunas, but why is this guy blocking every shot in the world? Another three blocks for him who he never blocks him. Low usage, 10, 13, and 7 on 11% usage, but the blocks, man. I don't, I don't really know how this is happening. Has he all of a sudden become a good shot blocker? Again, this is an outlier where you go, nothing would suggest that he is this guy ever. So at some point, 
has to come down. Has Willie Green, Green made a big change to their defensive scheme to allow Valanciunas to do this? I doubt it. Has Valanciunas become more athletic? Doubt it. Has he turned into Brook Lopez? Maybe. I don't know. He's been better. And it wasn't that he got more minutes here because he only played 21. We need to watch that. Here's a question. Is Zion back? When we previewed him the other day, we talked about how he just wasn't taking enough shots at the rim. He was settling for mid-ranges and his field goal percentage was down. Well, 26 points on 75% shooting, another three steals, five assists and a block, and he hit his free throws. Is he back? If he's not, he's on his way. It's very good signs. Ingram had 31 points and old Herbalife Jones, 78% shooting. This guy's shooting is through the roof. It is going to fall. But what I am impressed with is the defensive numbers. Another two blocks and a steal, seven rebounds. He's been excellent. He's outstripped any of my expectations. I don't know what happens when Trey returns. I don't think it's going to impact Herb that much, to be honest, because what Herb is doing is stuff like blocks and steals and really good shooting, which has nothing to do with Trey. He's not playing 39 a night. He's not taking 18 shots a game. He's doing stuff that can easily be maintained when Murphy returns. I, my, my, he's taking a big step. I think I've got it wrong on him. That's what, that's what it seems like. Jose Alvarado returned. Played 15 minutes and Dyson Daniels played 25. A bit of a warning sign there. Three, two, and five for Daniels. I'd be okay to hold for one more, but I wouldn't necessarily need to. And Jordan Hawkins had nine in 29. I don't think we need to hold on to Jordan Hawkins in 12-team leagues. He's too hit or miss. He's more like a Malik Beasley, Malik Monk sort of, uh, of an option where you can get some points and threes, but you don't want to just hold and rely upon it um, at all points. I don't think that's going to be a viable strategy. But some interesting little things there with the Zion production, the herd production, the Fox lack of production, the herder drop off, some things sort of starting to level out a lot on this Monday slate. A lot of things starting to level out uh, on the Monday slate. The Heat get, that's the wrong button. We meant to hit this one. There we go. The Heat get their revenge against the Chicago Bulls, 118-100, the final score here for uh, Miami. And what does look interesting is Jaime Jaquez playing 33 minutes, 19, 3, and 4, two steals. Last game, he dropped off. His last five games had been okay, good enough to sort of stream, but not necessarily must hold, but that is very interesting. It does help that Butler played 29 minutes and Lowry played 26 and they were in control, so there was a bit of blowout stuff there. But he has um, really held his own. His plus minus was great again. I still don't fully buy him as a full-time 12-team league guy, but that's a good line. Adebayo, 23-11-6, uh, which is great. Duncan Robinson, clearly the winner from the hero injury. 22 with six triples. I don't think it maintains, obviously, but it's good. Butler had 16, and Lowry had eight, five, and six, which honestly is not... It's not bad if you added Lowry. That's okay. That's okay. Um, 21 for Caleb Martin and 20 for Highsmith. So the minutes are flipping. I don't want either of them in 12s while Joshy Richardson had 10 points in his 30 minutes, but it was another blowout. For the Bulls, this is just the day where a lot of the guys that I was very interested in picking who have struggled early on just all went off. Kobe White, 20 points, five rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block, four threes, 64% shooting. I'm back in. <laughs> Look, he's only a later round guy, but I'm back in. Like that, that's, that's good. I'm not dropping. If, I'm, if I still held him, and I have, I'm definitely not dropping after that. That's not to say it's going to continue, but he led the team in scoring. Um, I think, ooh, should we do it? Should we do it? I'm not sure, but let's talk DeMar DeRozan. I, th yeah, I think he is on washed watch. Like, he's not terrible, 
but he's not top 80 this season. 15, 4, and 5. He only took 10 shots. At least he hit six of them. But he's just not there. He's just a step slow. And Levine had 13, 3, and 5. He has been a huge disappointment. He's got to get traded soon, surely. Caruso, I like him as a starter. Roll with it until he gets hurt, which will happen probably tomorrow when they're not even playing. 13, 4, and 3 for Caruso. Well, Vooch had 18 and 8. His efficiency is well down this season. He also had 30 usage in this game, which is very, very high. Vooch is currently ranked outside the top 50, but that usage was intriguing. And then Pat Williams continues to suck. Um, Tory Craig played just 15 minutes and Javon Carter 14. So we're really only looking at the five starters here as even remotely close to having any sort of 12-team value. Let's go to the next game, the New York Knicks and the Minnesota Timberwolves. A 17-point margin of victory to the Wolves, 117-100. Mitchie Robinson, 30 minutes, 10-11 and 11 with two steals and two blocks. Still underappreciated in leagues. He's not a points league guy, but he's still 100th in points league ranking, so he's got to be rostered everywhere. While Brunson had 25, 4, and 6, his lack of steals keeps holding him back somewhat. Rowan Barrett, 14-7, and 7, but you're going to be shocked to see that his numbers have dropped. But in fairness, he did go 3 or 4 from 3 and somehow keeping up those numbers. But 31% from the field, 75 from the line. It's like, what's that phrase? A, a leopard doesn't change his spots. Maybe he's just just not good. And that was a hot streak. 14 and 7 and 1 is all right, but you know, those percentages are rough. I'm still holding him, but it was always going to tumble. He He's one of those players that I'm just figuring out now has a weird group of fans. That if you say, hey, I don't think Barrett's going to be a 50% shooter. Man, you're just a hater. Have you never heard of anything called improvement? Yeah, he's turned the corner. I, sure, he's he's not going to be a fifty percent three point shooter. He's just he's he's in the uh, in the Rui Hachimura, Lonnie Walker group of like why do you have all these weird fans? Bol Bol, another one. Anyway, uh, Barrett is going to drop off, but only twenty two minutes for him in this one. He had five fouls that kept the minutes down. Julius Randle twenty one and fourteen putrid percentages, which obviously hurts, and then only seventeen minutes for quickly. Fifteen points for him. It's so hard to get behind quickly because you never know what's going to happen. Is he going to play twenty nine? Is he going to play twenty one? We flagged this concern in the preseason. I don't know how the minutes get there every night, and that is literally how it's played out. Like I talked about with Tom Thibodeau, he is adverse. Adverse? No, averse to change. So Quentin Grimes back in the starting lineup, missed all six of his shots and went scoreless for two steals. But Thomas won't change this. He'll change it next year. Shout out to when he started Alfred Payton every game for a full season. Josh Hart, four points, 24 minutes. With Barrett in foul trouble, we do not need to roster Josh Hart in 12-10 leagues. And we got 26 minutes of the big ragu. That's not like he dominated, but 7-3-5 and five is interesting. He's available everywhere. So if you wanted to add DiVincenzo in 20s, 18s, 16s, 14s, I'd be okay with it. But it's just there's him, there's Hart, there's Quickly, there's Barrett. There's too many blokes to try and push into a larger role that you can't rely upon it. So he might do this this game. He might play 17 next game and Quickly plays 28. There's just not enough happening. Well, not enough opportunities. Carl Towns continues to roll. 67% shooting from three. 20 and five. That five rebounds is a little red flaggy, but three steals and two blocks. Wow. You don't get that from Towns too often. And then Goose had 23 and 10 in 39 minutes. And Edwards, who's been pretty good. But I reckon if you took him in round two, which I never got him in any draft because I wasn't willing to go that high. Have you been a little disappointed? Drop that in the comments. Rudy Gobert, 16 and seven with two blocks in 26 minutes. 100% from the field. 29% from the line. He's been putrid from the line this season, although he's had those couple of weird games. And then Jaden McDaniels left the game after four minutes with an ankle sprain. We have been debating whether he was a must-roster 12-team category league player. Well, I don't know if we've been debating it. I don't think he is. And if we hear any new... Actually, I'd be just drop him. Like, what are you missing out on? 
if he actually does come back and play like the 140th best player, like nothing that good. There's no path for me to see this big breakout for Jaden McDaniels unless somebody else gets hurt. I'd be okay moving on. Alexander Walker started the second half for uh, McDaniels. He had 11 points with three threes in 33 minutes. So it wasn't Kyle Anderson, interestingly enough, who played only 23 minutes. He still had five assists to steal and two blocks, Kyle Anderson. So that makes him, um, you know, uh, Rexpec legend. That makes him at least an option for us to stream in in 12-team leagues if Jaden does miss some time. But overall, um, yeah, interesting. Nas Reed, just the 18 minutes, he has pushed back down. They've played better, I think, when they haven't forced as much Nas Reed. As much as Reed has played well individually, them not trying to force the the two centers at all times scenario, I think has actually worked in their favor. If McDaniels misses, maybe Reed's minutes push up a bit and that puts him back onto the radar. But on a healthy team, I can't see how Nas Reed, the Wizard of Noz, is a 12-team league player. All right, now it is the last game of the night. Weird schedule. All those games early and then a big break to watch the final game. And here we are with the Rockets going down. Third straight loss for the Rockets after a really hot start to the season. Three straight out on the West Coast. They lose to the Warriors 116-121. There was some doubt about the delicate dancer heading into this game. He was questionable with a back injury. Alperen Sengun. I guess he's all right. 30 and 13, five assists, one steal, one block, 57%. They tried to bring Brooke Lopez in. To play ahead of this guy. Not to say Brook Lopez isn't good. He is. He's 35. Shengun's good. He's this team's best player. And he is dominating. Awesome. Jabari Smith. Finally, something. 17 and 10. A steal. Two blocks. He is worth having on 12-team rosters, even though inconsistency will be a problem. And speaking of inconsistency, I thought Jalen Green maybe was turning it around. The last two games have been bad. 23 minutes, 16, 3, and 2. Um... Those numbers are okay, but the 40% shooting is bad. The minus 13 was a team worse, and they used Aaron Holiday to close the game out, which is never a sentence you want said about you. Yeah, I'm going to use Aaron Holiday instead of your mate. Like, bro, I might as well pack it up. That's bad. I am still holding Jalen Green, especially in points leagues. As for Holiday, 13-4-1 with four steals on 80%. Cool. That's a 10% usage with four steals that got him these numbers on 80% shooting. I don't really care for it. Well, Van Vliet... The shooting's shocking, but 41 minutes. We thought he might lose a little bit with Nick Nurse not coaching him. Nah, they're just going to pump him into him anyway, giggity. 10 points, 14 assists. That's back-to-back double-digit assists. I think it's 30 assists in the last two games for Fred. The steals, I'm not sure are coming back. They're just not there. That's frustrating. But the other stuff is okay. Well, Dylan Brooks had 16 and uh, five rebounds with two threes, which is okay. He's looking, he's more of a streamer, more of a 12-team streamer, more of a 16-team must roster. With no Tari Eason, we saw eight minutes of Reggie Bullock. Um, with Jock Landau's just out of the rotation. They're just going with Jeff Green at center or Jabari Smith at center. So Landau really not doing anything at the moment. And then Eason will come back and will take some of those block minutes away. They didn't give the extra minutes to Tate. He played only the 21 minutes for nine points for the Warriors. It's, uh, it's time. We are on washed watch for Clay Thompson and he was all right. 20 points, first time for the season, five triples, 44%, still not ideal, but he hit his threes, which is great. 46% from three, just 40% from two. And the three assists are a nice little bonus there as well. Um, he probably should be still on a 12-team roster somewhere, but I'm also not like, this doesn't change what's happened the first 12 games. It's not the best, best game in the world. It's it's 20 points. Like it's a 20-point game, which is fine, but it's not the, um, 
it's not the uh, yeah, be-all and end-all of great performances and wow, he's turned it around and he's here, he's fixed and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't look like that to me. It's just a nice night where some of the shooting got back on track and he's probably going to profile more as like, yeah, I hate to say it, but like what Jalen Green gives you. Points and threes with probably lower upside than what Green has, which sounds crazy, I know. But I'm talking about like age and ability to progress as, as a younger player for Green. Still probably like if you're just going to look at it, what's the median outcome? Is Clay going to do more than Jalen Green this season? It's probably going to be Clay. But if we look at growth or improvement, it probably comes more from Green. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's not too confusing. Or I didn't just you know, talk absolute shit for the last 30 seconds, which is distinctly possible. I've done it a couple of times. But good game from Clay to get somewhat back on track. Chris Paul is playing much better as a starter versus a bench player. 15, 6, and 12 with two steals. Now, it's almost going to be impossible to sell high on Paul. We've got two more games until Draymond returns, and I'd love to know what they're going to do. Are they just going to start Draymond at center? Does Looney move to the bench? Does Paul play those 25 minutes? Paul starting? Good. Paul off the bench? Not good so far. We watch it. Steph had 32 and 5. No, only the one assist, so nothing great there, but we love the free throws. And then Dario Saric was better than Looney. 26 for Sharich, 22 for Looney. Looney had 7, 5, and 3, which is distinctly not a 12-team line, but he has other games which are useful. I don't think he's must roster. He's okay. Well, Sharich had 18, 5, and 2, 3 threes are still on a block. Absolutely. That there is a 12-team line. But I don't know if it's going to be like that every game. He's probably more of a 14-team league guy versus a must roster guy. And then we saw the big Andrew Wiggins explosion last time out. And he had 12-7-1 on 30% shooting. So, yeah, nah. You, if you wanted to, if you grabbed him, think, oh, maybe he's turned it around. Understandable. He's Andrew Wiggins. He's got a track record. But this should make you feel better if you did drop him. And I don't think, if my projections don't have him particularly high rest of season, if you wanted to move on, you move on. Only 18 minutes for Pajemski. So, while we do like him as a player, well, I do. I don't know if you do. It's just no way of getting enough minutes here to be useful. Moody played the 22 minutes, and Kaminga, after that one game where he started for Draymond, is back to doing nothing. Seven points, 18 minutes. We don't need to roster John Kaminga anywhere. Steve Kerr's like, we've got 12 rotation players. I need to give more minutes for Moody. You probably do. There's just no ability to do it unless you're just going to cut Wiggins and Clay right down, and that's just never going to happen. So we always have Moody and Pajemski in the back of our mind waiting to see what they do in terms of rotations or if someone is out or resting. But otherwise, there's just no clear pathway for these guys to play enough minutes to be regular fantasy um, options. I, I, just, I don't see how that could possibly, um, how could that could possibly happen. That would bring us in now to look at the um, the stream of the day recap. Yep, that's where we're at. So how did we go on the stream of the day? Well, Malik Monk was my 10-team stream. Didn't wasn't a great day. Eight points, five assists. DiVincenzo, the 12-team one, seven, three, and five. This was when I thought Quentin Grimes was out, so stinker, obviously. Sam Hauser, yeah, he shit the bed as well. What a terrible, terrible start uh, on the streams of the day. The next page, though, I, I do assure you is better. The 16-team stream was Terrence Mann, and while he went scoreless, he had six rebounds, two assists, and four steals, which is great for a 16-team league. And the two points leagues ones absolutely banged. Reggie Jackson, 39.6 fantasy points. ESPN points league was Kobe White, and he dropped in 42 fantasy points. So the stream options for the points leagues worked well. The 16-team categories worked all right. The other ones did not work um, as well as we would have uh, as well as we would have hoped. So now. We do the monstrous line of the night. Couple of options to go with here, but in the end, we do go to the Boston and Charlotte game and we go with Jason Tatum. 45 points, 13 rebounds, six assists. Tatum gets the nod. 
the waiver wire line of the night. Available in over 50% of leagues who had the best performance. The winner of the waiver wire line of the night today is in that same game. It's Peyton Pritchard, 21 points, six rebounds, and two steals. Big night for him with Derek White out. The young gun of the night. Do you reckon we're going to go anywhere else apart from Boston and Charlotte? Well, no, we're not because, oh, hi, Mark, is the young gun of the night, Marky Williams, 18 points, 16 rebounds, and three blocks for the big fella. And lastly, we look at the dud of the night, the worst performing player in a category league perspective who was rostered in over 70% of leagues. And you might think it's harsh, but the answer is Darren Fox. who had 14 points, but he got no assists. He shot 28% from the field and he was bad from the free throw line as well. So it took away more than the positives that he gave you. The 14 points looks good. Just everything else was bad about what Darren Fox was able to do. And I'm always just trying to accumulate teams that people can call me a hater of. I've got about 10 of them at the moment. I'm trying to collect them all, get like Infinity Stones, where every person from every fan base uh, thinks that I hate their team. That's that's the ideal uh, result here. The top six players from the action on Monday. Let's have a look at how it all played out. Top six, number one, is Jason Tatum. We've spoke about that already. Number two is LaMelo Ball. Number three is the big fella in Milwaukee, Yanni Antetokounmpo. Number four is the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma. Number five is the sly hog himself, Cade Cunningham. And number six is Christopher Paul. Your top six players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Peyton Pritchard, stream option. Kobe White, hmm. I still sort of believe, but I'm on the fence. Jaime Jaquez, good game. Bit up and down, good 14-team league guys, solid 12-team stream. Daniel Tice, hmm, we definitely watched this one. Uh, Norman Powell, great 12-team stream. And Aaron Holiday, I am absolutely not buying into that whatsoever. And lastly, it's the top six players for Yahoo Points Leagues. Number one is Jason Tatum, followed by Giannis, Lamella Ball, the delicate dancer, El Perrin Shingun, Kyle Kuzma, and Marky Mark Williams. And that, guys, would do it for me today. If you are on YouTube, please give it a thumbs up. Share it comment, share it again, watch it again, comment again, do it all. It helps the show out immensely. And if you are on audio, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on that Odyssey app. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.